Thank you, Dagny. And I think Emily has a special music prepared for us now. Unlike Drew, I get very nervous being up front, so extra prayers for me. <laughs> my soul and I stand amazed at the blessings I've known and still to this day the mercies you show make it clear to see that you love me you give each breath that I breathe. You color the skies with beautiful leaves. You prove that you would provide for my needs the way
that you're satisfied are you satisfied please say you're satisfied with me October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we wanted to recognize you guys, so I asked em uh, Emily to stay here with us, but thank you so much for choosing Marshfield. We are so blessed and thankful to have you guys here with us, and we just wanted to offer you a little gift of our appreciation. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. thank you, guys. Oh, and I forgot, too, it's their 10th wedding anniversary this month, Yeah. so congratulations. Okay, Elise, come on over. Our scripture reading is Revelation 12:11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimonies. And they did not love their lives to the death. How true is that that they can that we overcome through our prayers and our testimonies and that we have to be willing to give our lives to Christ. I'm looking forward to hearing the message the pastor has for that. It again as I announced at the beginning we're just doing a little different order of services this quarter and we would appreciate your feedback on it as we go through this quarter. It's time for our prayer and praise time and we had several that were on the board um, one from last week and several from this morning. Uh, the one from last week that I just wanted to bring to you again in case you weren't here to hear it then was a praise for Melody, um, praise for God's blessings for her family and friends with safe driving and flying to and from her daughter's wedding um, two weekends ago. And the biggest praise, her son Marcus was driving to the Milwaukee airport um, Tuesday morning, uh, not this, this Tuesday, but the previous Tuesday, to fly out on business. And um, there was a very heavy rain while he was driving. Um, his truck hydroplaned and sent him from um, the far left across five lanes of traffic um, going 65 miles an hour, but his, his truck was totaled, they think, but he did not have a scratch on him, and she was, so we're just praising the Lord for his protection there. A couple other requests this morning, one from Donna Shotwell um, for um, great-grandma Irene Palsner. Um, she's from Sawyer, Michigan. Um, she's just struggling with declining health and was taken to the ER this morning. She's the matriarch of her family, and we pray for her caregivers and for her family as well. So please keep um, Irene Paulsner in your prayers um, for her health as well. Um, we have one here from Amanda Oliver as well. We had a prayer request from her that was put out during the week for her um, grandmother, and um, just uh, praise for her grandmother coming out of her bad episode and uh, of confusion. Um, she's still a little confused, but she's doing much better eating and drinking, and she will be getting out of the hospital, um, it sounds like, on Monday. So thank you for your thoughts and prayers, and um, we want to remember that as a praise and continued um, prayer for her as well. Also one from Dagny this morning. 
Um, prays that her family in Orlando was safe during the hurricane, and um, also pray for uh, Joy, her friend who is having some health issues. And I know we have some other praises that weren't on the board. Um, I think Terry and Carol had asked for special prayers, um, and they were um, down on Sanibel Island in um, near uh, or in Florida, and they um, came back to Orlando during the before the storm hit. Um, but they texted last night saying they had electricity back. Um, they had been without electricity for uh, a, a fair amount of time, um, so they were thankful for that being back on, and just um, thankful for the safety that um, everybody had. Um, down there as well. So praise the Lord for that, for his protection. We do have one from Vicki as well, and I wanted to read that uh, real quickly. It says, prayer for my friend Roseanne. Um, her son was burned badly in an explosion in their cabin up in up north last Saturday, um, and he's in Madison on a vent um, with burned hands and face and thighs and feet, and also his dog as well was um, burned. So just um, pray for them. Also, we're going to be um, you know, we had the grief seminar uh, during the, the spring or summer. Um, we're going to be starting some grief um, meetings, which is just a more um, kind of study group type of meeting. Um, and Vicki's going to be leading out in that, so we're working on a time and date for that. So we just ask that you would pray for those grief meetings um, that will be starting soon, um, that God will lead in that. Um, and if you're interested in attending that, you can um, contact Vicki, and she can give you more information about that. We'll have announcements about it as well, I'm sure, as we get a little closer to that time. But um, keep that in your prayers. Also pray for God um, to give Vicki a decision on her job um, and dealing with um, her manager. And also prayers for our families and missing members. So those are the requests that were on the board this morning. Again, if you have uh, requests that you would like brought up or announced from the front, we encourage you to put it on um, one of our prayer notes and just pin it on the board, the prayer board in the hallway, and we will make sure it gets read from the front. Um, usually we try and read it for a couple of weeks, and, um, and also Bobby, I think, uh, sometimes sends those out in our, our prayer chain email. So just remember those, and um, we would just ask you to kneel with us where possible. And I always ask, were there any unspoken requests this morning? And unspoken praises as well. Remember to lift those up to the Lord as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Sabbath and for the gift of being able to be here, having the freedom to be able to be here and serve you and um, worship with you. And we just ask that you would send your spirit to be here in a special way with us. You've heard the prayer requests that we raised this morning, both um, for healing and protection, um, and also the praises that we had as well for those who are traveling and for those who um, safely came through the hurricane. And Father, we know that 
um, that hurricane was devastating and is um, continuing to cause damage in some areas. And Father, we just ask that you would continue to protect those in its path, that you would be with those who've come through as they try to pick up the pieces and put things back together and repair things, that you would help them to be safe and to be able to get their lives organized and um, back to normal as soon as possible. Father, we think of all the unspoken requests and praises that were raised this morning. We know that you know each situation that was brought um, before you this morning and those even that were unspoken. And we um, ask that you would be with each situation, each request, and also that um, with the unspoken praises that you know each one, you know the things that we're thankful for, and that um, we praise you and thank you for your many blessings on us. Father, we ask as well that you would be with uh, Pastor as he brings us the message this morning. We thank you for him and his family being here with us in the district, and we ask that you would send your spirit to be with him in a special way this morning as he speaks to us, that you would um, be on his lips and his tongue as he speaks, and be on our ears as we listen, that we might hear what we need to hear for each of us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's a great privilege to be here again. This is, I think, my second sermon here at Marshfield, so uh, we're delighted to be here. We've got a, um, we're having a lot of adjustments at home, and we're, I'm, I'm enjoying getting to meet all of you in your homes, uh, my visitation schedule, and so uh, we've got some more, a couple more weeks of scheduling. So if you uh, would like a pastoral visit, I'm happy to come and see you, and I think um, uh, Miss Joy has that schedule, so if you'd like to, to get on that schedule, please um, uh, talk to her. So uh, anyway, we will go ahead and um, pray one more time and ask the Lord to be with us, and we'll get into our sermon this morning. Kind Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this day, so thankful for this opportunity to be here and uh, thankful for this church, and thank you so much for um, uh, just the, the warm welcome we've received here. We pray for your, your spirit to please be with us just now as we, are, um, as we get into your word, and as I'm sharing my testimony of your goodness in my own life, I just pray for um, just divine aid. I pray for your spirit to um, speak to each one in a unique way. Uh, thank you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so testimonials have long been used by marketing companies to give, val- give validity or credence to any given product. Testimonials work. Uh, why do they work? Because we as human beings, we can look at another person who's just like us, who has a problem just like us, and we see from their testimony that a whatever given product it is worked, whether it's cleaning the windows, cleaning the floors, cleaning whatever, testimonials work. Marketing companies have learned that and they have implemented that in 
their sales tactics, right? And so we each have a product that we are trying to share with the world around us. Your transformed life gives credibility or validity to the gospel, right? We each have a testimony that we can share of the goodness of God, of a life that was once out of harmony with the will of God and now is in harmony or desires to be inside the will of God. We each have a testimony. And so this is the story of my testimony. I gave it, I've never given a testimonial sermon before up until last week. I gave the same sermon at, uh, at the Rapids Church. And so I'm sharing my testimony today of how God has worked in my life, my life story, and how God has worked in that. Um, so I grew up in a blue-collar home, I'll say, in central Michigan. Nothing out of the ordinary, very, uh, I'll say, average or normal upbringing. Uh, both of my parents, however, though, they came from alcoholic homes. And so it was a very dysfunctional life, especially early on and even continuing uh, throughout my, my teen years. Uh, they both grew up in alcoholic homes, and that was the life that I knew. Is this really loud? Are you guys okay out there? The, the sound? It's, it's good? Okay. It just seems very loud to me for some reason. Um, and, uh, but I want you to be able to hear as well. So if you're, if you're, if you're okay, it's, we're good. Uh, so anyway, my, my parents, they, um, that was the life that I knew, this alcoholic lifestyle. So not that they were really alcoholics, but they, uh, you know, the party scene, I'll say. So drinking on the weekends with friends. Um, until I was six, seven, eight years old, I, I'm old enough to remember when the transformation occurred from when we went, they went from living that way to all of a sudden we were going to church every Sunday. I mean, it was like, okay, this is new, uh, different, different experience. And so they quit their drinking and they quit their smoking. Um, and uh, it was this, this real hard and fast change to going to church every Sunday. Um, unfortunately, our, our family dynamic was still very messy. Uh, my parents, having grown up in that kind of existence with the alcoholism, they had very poor conflict resolution skills. They had very poor ability to work through problems, to talk things out, forgiving each other, moving on, having a good relationship. Instead, it was just kind of like, you know, there was always this like magma under the surface and at the slightest kind of drop of a hat because there was never any resolution. There was just always explosions happening. So it was a very messy family dynamic. My siblings and I, we didn't treat each other well at all. Not that it wasn't like normal kind of sibling rivalry agreements. It was like malintent. There was, there were, there was a very poor family dynamic here. Um, in our inter-family relationships, while we, my parents kind of had this outward transformation of switching lifestyle. I always tell people our Christianity never really made it past the church parking lot, Okay. Uh, never made it into the home. It didn't transform the home. It didn't transform our lives. And so um, that's kind of uh, how I had, how we got started, I'll say, in Christianity. Um, and I, uh, let me see. For me, in this six, seven, eight year 
time period when I was around that age, we went to these, uh, we, they just church hopped, you know, they went to different churches every couple of years. They went to, I remember being in a church of God for a while, I remember being, uh, visiting several churches for a few times and then not continuing. I, I've, I've spent a considerable, the most amount of time in church out, well, you know, I've been in the Adventist church the longest, but the most amount of time that I spent in church with my family was in a, a very charis, well, not very, but charismatic style church. And uh, so I had lots of exposure to various ideas and beliefs in Christianity, but I remember when we first got started in the first year or so that we were in church, um, we would go to these plays. They would happen, I feel like, in the spring and in the fall of the year. And uh, in these plays, they were called Heaven's Gates Hell, and Hell's Flames. Has anybody ever heard of such a thing? It's a, it's a play that they... Anyway, we would go to these things. And I remember the first one, you know, we're there. And uh, what they do is they... They have these little skits, and it's like this reenactment of a person's life, and in their lifetime, they had some opportunity to accept or reject Jesus. And then after their acceptance or refusal of Jesus, they would then, some cataclysmic you know, tragedy would happen, and they would be dead. And the next scene is them standing before the pearly gates with an angel in front of them, and and the angel is going through the list to see if their name is in this book of life. And if the person had accepted Jesus in their life, then they continued on and through the pearly gates, and they got to go be with Jesus for all eternity. However, if they had not accepted Jesus, and they rejected him, there was a, there was a stairwell that went off the stage, kind of left, you know, my right, your left, off over here. And it was a stairwell that went down. And if they had rejected Jesus, this very terrifying looking demon would come running up out of the stairs, grab the person, and drag them screaming and crying down the stairwell into the pits of hell. And so they like, for a six, seven, eight-year-old child, this was very traumatic, traumatizing, right? And, uh, So they had several skits like that, some good, some where the person rejected Jesus and they went down into the pits of hell screaming, kicking, and crying as they went. And they always have a call at the end. And so I'm a little seven or eight-year-old child and I don't want to be, I don't want to end up there. I want to receive, I want to accept Jesus. I want to be saved. And so I went forward for the call and I was in third grade, I remember, so so I was in third grade, so I must have been about eight years old, and I remember sharing uh, that week for show and tell, like, that I gave my heart to Jesus, and, you know, and uh, I had gone to this play, and, and my classmates were all confused, like, but you're still alive, so how did you give your heart away, and anyway, it was, uh, it was confusing, and, uh, but anyway, that's, that's how I was in that age range when we came into Christianity. And as I said, the family dynamic, even though we were going through this transformation in some ways, it was still very toxic in a lot of ways at home. Um, in our family relationships, we didn't really show any evidence of a transformed life. So throughout my childhood and into my teen years, I mostly went to church because I had to. Um, I didn't, 
uh, and all of my friends at church, they were the same way. They were there because their parents made them go to church. And there was no real, no real relationship among my peers or even, I'll say, in my own life. It wasn't about a relationship. I went to church because my parents made me go to church. Um, and then going into my, you know, middle, later teen years, I got involved in, um, you know, um, alcohol and drugs and that for a little bit. Um, but praise God, it wasn't a long-term thing. I, I quickly realized that that was a dead-end road. There wasn't anything there for me. Um, and around that same time, uh, a family friend, he's, he's family, but he's a very distant family member. He had, he had invited me to go. I was 17 years old. He had invited me to go to a Christian outdoor recreation camp in Lake City, Colorado. It was not Adventist. It was just a uh, Christian outdoor recreation camp. And I was very excited at the thought to go. And I went out there as a volunteer. I did maintenance on the campground and got to, you know, see and experience what the camp offered. And uh, it was a beautiful part of the country. It was a beautiful area, beautiful scenery. And the people were beautiful. This was the first time in my life that I had seen teenagers my age who had a relationship with God, who had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They, I mean, they played guitar, they wrote songs, they praised hymns, they preached, they gave worship thoughts. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that I could, you know, it's not just for my parents. This, this Christian thing, this God, he is... He, he can be very real for me as well, as a young person, 17 years old. And at that age in my life, I was really starting to question, here I am, I'm going into my senior year of high school. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't, know, I don't know if I'm going to go to college. I don't know what my career path is going to be. So I was really starting to question, like, what am I doing? It was a perfect time in my life that God gave me that experience and so I came back home from Lake City, Colorado, and all of my friend group is still the same. And so while I, I didn't come back perfectly like, no, guys, I'm not doing this anymore. God has changed my heart and my life. Um, I just, I'll say that I scaled back on that lifestyle, um, just kind of getting through my senior year of high school. And then once I graduated, I was kind of free to be who I felt like God wanted me to be. And uh, so I had this awesome summer. I came back, starting my senior year of high school. I'm, I went to public school my whole life. I, I never had any Adventist education until I went to Southern at the age of 30. So here I am, first day of school. This was another very critical kind of pivotal part of my testimony, or I feel like it is. Um, I'm, in, I'm in school. I, it's the first day of class, and so the first day of, of classes, you're going through your various classes, teachers, whatever, and uh, I was there, and it was a psychology class, and the teacher just kind of waltzes in. He's got his briefcase. It's almost as if we weren't there. It's almost as if we didn't exist, and so he like waltzes to his desk, and he's fumbling through papers, and we're just like waiting for orientation. We're waiting for a syllabus. We're waiting for a welcome. We didn't get any of that. He just turns to us. He kind of looks at us and realizes we're there. And then he says, all right, everybody get a sheet of paper and a pencil. He's like, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to write the answer on the piece of paper. 
And I was, we're like looking at each other like, what in the world? We don't even, I don't even know the guy's name. I don't, it's not, it's like, there's no orientation. There's no welcome. There's no nothing. And so we all get a, it's first day of school. We're not expecting work. We get our sheet of paper out. We get our pencil out. And he says, and this is his question that we're supposed to write the answer to. He says, what is the purpose of your existence? And I'm like looking around like everybody's looking around like, I, I don't know. The girl, I'll never forget the girl sitting next to me. She says, well, I'm dropping this class. And, so like, <laughs> and she didn't want any part of that. And I just sat there racking my brain. I had this awesome summer. I'm like, man. I know God has a purpose for my life, but I don't know what that is. And so I feel like that question really set me on a path based on the summer and the foundation that I had like to figure out what is the purpose of my existence? Why am I here? And so that kind of set my life as I 17, 18, 19 years old. I really wanted to find out what that was. What am I here for? What is my purpose on this planet? And uh, so uh, that was, a, for me, kind of a critical question, and it was at a critical time in my life, and I see God working through it all. And uh, that sparked a deeper relationship with God for me. I, I began reading the Bible. I began studying it. I memorized a lot of Scripture. Uh, my mind was very sharp then. I could just retain information much easier than I do now. And... Um, so I, <clears throat> so anyway, as I'm like 18, 19 years old, almost, I guess I was almost 20 years old, uh, my parents, as my relationship is deepening with God and I'm really growing as a Christian, my parents decided that all religion, you know, all Christian, Christianity was fallen. And and, and the system they were, to be fair, the system they were in was bad. It was a bad system. It was very much a health and wealth gospel. Uh, this prophet always needed more money. And uh, they finally saw kind of the, 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 the error in that. And they, um, they left church. And simultaneously with three other families, they left that church because of the same kind of uh, corruption, I'll say, Right? And so we started studying on our own. Every Sunday, we were, you know, we were reading the Bible through the week. I was really learning a lot about the Bible, the Bible story, and as I said, memorizing a lot of Scripture. And I, uh, about six months in, as we're studying together, uh, every Sunday morning, we come to the Sabbath in the Bible, and we're just like, boy, I don't really see where God ever changed the Sabbath. And uh, so we're, we start keeping the Sabbath day. We start worshiping on the seventh-day Sabbath. Every Saturday we start meeting instead of on Sundays. And uh, so along with that came clean and unclean foods. And then a few months later, uh, I guess it was a little while later, um, around this same time, I'll say, I met my first Seventh-day Adventist. And he's, he's, I'm working as a welder at the time. Uh, I started doing that when I was 19. And... Um, so we're working in this manufacturing facility. I met him, and he was like a backslidden Adventist. He wasn't really like teaching or preaching or offering to do Bible studies, but he just shared with me, hey, you know, my family's Seventh-day Adventist. And I'm like, oh, I'm a Christian too. And he's, I was like, what are Adventists? You know, what is, what is that? 
And he's like, well, we worship on, on, on Saturday, on the seventh day, Sabbath. And I'm like, oh, I do too. You know, so it was like, it was like all happening around that same time. And I got very excited about that. Um, and I met his family, and we never, like I say, while we never like actually studied together, that was my first Adventist influence. And they welcomed me into their home, and there was like, his whole family was Adventist. It was, it was, uh, it was a remarkable thing. And um, so anyway, I uh, that had a, a great impact on my life. And and interestingly enough, Rich, this friend of mine that I'm telling you about, he had been out of the church for many years. And uh, he contacted me, boy, this was in 2007 that I met him, and he contacted me, you know, I hadn't had really any touch with him for about eight or nine years, and um, he contacted me about a year ago, and we, he was really struggling with alcoholism, he was just drowning in alcohol, and here I was pastoring, and you know, he was my introduction to the church. I felt really, I was just like, Lord, we got to get him out of this. Like, how is it that I'm, I'm here at this place in life and he's way over there? And uh, so we prayed him out of that. He was looking for help and he just got rebaptized last Sabbath. And so I'm, I was really praising God for that, that he's in a much better place now. And his, his wife, who, who he like, met, he was basically not Adventist, she was not Adventist when they met, and she got baptized with him last week. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Anyway, uh, I met Rich and his family, and my family, you know, while we learned a lot of good things, a lot of good biblical things in our study and our journey in the Bible together, uh, there was a lot of fanaticism and chaos that came with that as well. We learned a lot of things that were probably not so good. And uh, along with one of their uh, maybe more extreme fanatical movements, um, it was 2007, 2008, the economy was tanking, and housing market was tanking, and so they, they really, and they had been involved in missions, so moving out of the country wasn't uh, a far-fetched idea to them. They had done a lot of mission work in Haiti. They had been to Liberia. And um, so they left the country. They moved to, uh, we're just studying on our own, right? They moved to Central America. We were down there for two years. I was in Belize, and I was in Guatemala for uh, four or five months in Guatemala. Um, But it was in Belize, when I was there with my family, that I heard my first evangelistic series. So while I knew that Seventh-day Adventists kept the Sabbath, I didn't know anything else. And uh, I remember sitting out on my veranda out on our porch, uh, um, there in Belize, and we were on the outskirts of the village. They had bought a small farm, 20-acre citrus orchard out there. And I'm sitting there, and I hear this guy preaching on a loudspeaker in the village. And so at some point in time, one night in or two nights in, I started listening to this guy from the porch. I'm like, boy, after two nights, I'm like, boy, this guy's really preaching the truth. He's preaching the Bible. And... Uh, so I started riding my bike every night to this series uh, out in the village. And it was a Seventh-day Adventist. They called it a crusade, but it was a Seventh-day Adventist evangelistic series. And boy, I was, it, was, it was like all these pieces that I had in my brain from studying the Bible for two or three years on our own. All these things that I had in my brain, it was like they all, there were several things that I already knew 
We had already read a book about the mark of the beast. That made a lot of sense to us because we believed in the Sabbath, clean, unclean foods, all those sorts of things. But then um, this, the really crucial one was the state of the dead because this lady that we were studying with, she had read a book about, it was some pastor who was talking about how the dead knew more than the living and they could communicate with us and we needed to, you know, tap into their intelligence or whatever. And I'm sitting here, she's telling us these things. I'm like, man, I read in the, because I've been reading the Bible for years at that point in time and I'm reading about a resurrection and I'm trying to figure out what is this, how does this all fit together? Because heaven's gates, hell's flames, you go straight to heaven or you go straight to hell. So, and all of the Hollywood that I had ever watched growing up, you go straight to heaven or straight to hell. But in the Bible, I read about a resurrection. I read about there's a day coming when the voice of the, you know, all the dead who are in the graves are going to hear the voice of the Son of Man. They're going to come out. And so I'm, I couldn't make sense of that. And that series was so critical at, at just the right time when this woman was studying with us that just, boom, all those puzzle pieces came together and I was able to share the truth of the Bible with my family. And uh, so I almost got baptized after that series, but because of the spirit of prophecy, and we had just three years been removed from a, quote, prophet, I was like, oh, man, I don't know about that. So, but I still went to church every week faithfully because I was so tired of the home church thing. I was tired of the same people, the same ideas, the same echo chamber um, and so I was really excited to kind of be out among other people, new ideas, new thoughts. And um, so I went to church faithfully every week for that year that I was in contact with the church. And then when I came back to Michigan, when I came back home, I, have, I got connected with our local Adventist church there. And the pastor, the first time I'm there, he comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, you know, I'm new and I'm in a small church, so I stick out. And um, he's like, if you ever have any questions, you know, you want to study or something, I'm, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. And I said, listen, man, I believe everything that this church teaches. I said, but I don't understand the spirit of prophecy, what that's about. And he says, oh, well, you know, he, we, we can talk about that. And so we went through the biblical tests of a prophet, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And uh, away I went. And I got baptized on February 27th, 2010. Um, and I immediately, I came into the church, and I forgot to tell you also, all along the way in my study, my kind of family study, um, I, you know, I was very evangelistic in how I thought and how I operated. You know, I didn't, I, um, I knew about the Great Commission. I knew I was supposed to tell people about Jesus, and when I learned about the Sabbath, I created my own Sabbath study, and I would share that, and I would give that Bible study to people. I gave it to some Mennonite friends in Belize. I gave it to a Jehovah Witness friend in Belize, and I gave it to uh, uh, our neighbors were Pentecostal, and so they knew I talked to them all the time about God and the Bible and, and uh, Sabbath and all that. And um, so when I came into the church, it was like there was just this huge opportunities, so many opportunities to share the truth. Um, there was so much literature, and I couldn't believe, you know, when I came into the church, I couldn't believe that you could get paid to study the Bible with people, you know, as a Bible worker. And so I was, I was really 
had that, that fire to, to share. And so I wanted to go to a, a Bible training college, but I, got, I was very sick. I was very ill um, because of my, my time in Belize. I, I contracted, I don't even know what it was to this day, um, but I was very sick for several years where I had a lot of gastrointestinal problems that created a lot of brain fog, and it hindered me from going to school. It hindered me from going to even a Bible training school. But I did what I could, and I came in the church in February, and I immediately did a summer of MAGA books that summer, the summer of 2010. That's where I met this lovely, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman over here, and I met her in that program for students. And... Um, uh, let's see, two years later, we got married, and um, Jada came the next year, and uh, so, you know, I, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to catch up here. So even though I had this, you know, uh, and I was very still evangelistic, even in, um, in my sickness, in my illness, and I, I tried really hard. I wanted to, to be able to share the gospel. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll share more of my testimony as time goes on about how I, um, about how I, I came into ministry eventually. So that's kind of another testimony for another day. But... As I consider my testimony, um, as I consider my testimony in the effectiveness of the gospel, I think the gospel is something that works. I think that Jesus is, is a real person, a real being that we can share, who has the capacity and ability to change lives, if we want him to, right? As I consider how the Lord has led in my own life, um, I've experienced deliverance from substance abuse abuse issues. Those were not critical issues for me. I, I feel like it was something that I relatively was able to easily get out of. Other folks, not so much. But the greatest miracle in my own life, or I feel like the greatest miracle of the grace of God and his ability to tra- change and transform lives is all of the hereditary cultivated tendencies that I had from that very messy kind of uh, dynamic that I grew up in. For example, my parents were very critical people, critical of of everything, everyone, um, and it didn't. It just it didn't even seem to matter why. You know, I didn't question it as a kid. I just grew up in that gossip. I just grew up hearing it all the time. But they were critical about. I think of it now. They were critical about everything. Person's social status, the way they looked, the way they talked. It didn't matter what they believed. Um, they were just very critical, always condescending, always putting other people down. And so I grew up with that, hearing it all the time. And so when I would meet, you know, as an athlete through my high school years, you know, I'm always comparing myself to other athletes. I always think I'm better than. Um, When I would meet a new person, I had that same mentality, very critical of this person. I don't know them. Um, They've got this, this, and this going on. And so I had that same critical spirit that I grew up listening to my whole life. And it stayed with me into my adult years. And like my parents, I would find any reason at all not to like someone. But at some point, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Like, what is this? Is this are you reflecting Christ as you're pointing out the faults of other people? Are you reflecting God? 
And um, I remember seeing, you know, Emily's family was not that way at all. They didn't spend their time and their hours gossiping about other people. So I began praying against this thought process. I began praying through it, recognizing that this kind of thinking was destructive, recognizing that it's not reflecting God at all. It's a very satanic attribute. It's a very satanic character, characteristic. And so through the years of recognizing what I was thinking and praying through it, praying, God, help me to see people the way that you do. Help me to love people the way that you do. I can praise God that after through years of working through this, recognizing the problem, recognizing when it's affecting me, that I don't have a critical mind toward people anymore. That God has given me, now I'm, I'm very excited to meet people. I like to learn about new people. I like to make friends. And so it's, it's an exciting, it went from, God took me from it being a very like, a calculated kind of critical mind toward other people to now I have a very uh, welcoming and a desire to meet new people and to share my faith. And that is something that as a human being, I could not have done on my own. I can't change who I am. I can't change my hereditary tendencies. I needed help outside of myself to get through that. And it's only, I mean, if there's no God, there's no reason to even overcome it anyway. There's no reason to. We can just continue living our lives however we want to live them, destructive or not. Um, so without God and His desire and His love to share, His desire to share His love with other people through me, there's no, there's no reason to change. So I had to pray and ask God to help me, and He has. And it's through, it's those victories that I can confidently recommend the gospel as, as, a, as a means to live or to experience a transformed life. <clears throat> um, as I consider the complete lack of conflict resolution skills that I grew up with, uh, compared to what my relationships are today, I can confidently recommend the gospel to you as an avenue, as a medium through which God can heal and change broken relationships. As I consider that, that way of living to, where, to the relationships I have today, all I can do is praise God for the goodness, for His ability to help in that situation. Uh, the gospel transformed this 17-year-old who had no direction or purpose in life to a life of direction and purpose. From graduating high school with a 2.3 GPA to graduating university with an honors degree, honors GPA, from being critical and hateful to an attitude of grace and happiness when meeting new people, from being selfish and miserly with money to a person who desires to be generous and give back to God with a grateful heart. That is something that only God can do. Because generosity is, is it's one of His attributes. It's who He is. We overcome, as the Scripture said, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb is what saves us. And our testimony is evidence of the effectiveness of the gospel. Our testimony is evidence that God, that Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus, 
works to transform a person's life. We overcome through the blood of the Lamb. And our testimony is something that can never be taken away from any of us. What about you? Have you experienced the transforming grace of the gospel? Do you have a testimony to share of where God has brought you? And perhaps you're looking at your own life. Perhaps you've been, you're a fourth generation Adventist. And you're looking at your life and you're like, I don't have an experience like that. Perhaps you're looking at your life and you're wondering where this, where this gospel fits in. You know, I'm going to tell you a story very quickly. I'm out of time. I'm going to tell you a story that one of my professors told me um, at Southern. And he, he said it this way. He was talking about those who had been raised in the church. And he was talking about those who, who experienced this amazing transformation when they came into the church. And one looks like a great testimony and the other one doesn't look like much of anything. So he compared it using horses. And he was talking about this story, this kind of parable of these two horses. One of them lived his life in the field. He, he did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He, he was not bound by anything. He had never experienced a halter or a bit or a bridle. And so he lived his life however he wanted to live it. And then there was another horse who grew up in the barn. And he had the kids playing on him, and he had a halter on him from a young age. And he was very docile, calm animal. And he lived his life. And, you know, when it came time to break the two horses when they're two years old and put a, put a saddle on them, you know, for one of those horses, it was a very traumatic experience because he's like, hey, what's going on? Somebody's telling me what to do, and I, I want to live my life the way I've always wanted to. And it was a very traumatizing experience. And for the other horse, it was like another day in the life. And so he, he kind of posed the question, if you were to ask those two horses, you know, what, do you remember the day you got broke to ride? One is like, yeah, I remember that day. Very traumatizing, very cataclysmic, very, you know, very much altered my life. And for the other horse, he's like, boy, I don't actually remember the day. It's just kind of always been. And so he used that as an illustration for those who maybe had grown up in the church versus those who had this very huge testimony experience. But he's like, in the end, they both have a relationship with God. You're no less saved. Um, you know, like Emily, she's like fourth generation Adventist. And, 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 um, and, I, and I just kind of share, it's like, you know, you didn't have to experience all the pain and the heartache that came with all that outside or that lost, I'll say, upbringing with alcoholic influences, with personality disorders, with all that mess. And so you, you, he, I share that to kind of help people feel rest assured that maybe you didn't have this crazy dynamic experience, but you're no less saved. You're no less in a relationship with Jesus. You've just been a better reflection of him throughout the course of your life than I was. <clears throat> and that's what we're here to do. We're here to reflect Christ to the world and his attributes. <clears throat> My admonishment for you today is to consider your own testimony, to pray for conviction from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is a good thing. 
The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment, and our job is to respond to that conviction. As we move forward in our relationship with Jesus, He is making us more like Himself. And I would encourage each of you to consider your own testimony. If you don't like where you are, then go back to the source. Go back to Jesus for the grace to overcome. The source is the same. He will help you. He said, He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Sometimes we get caught up trying to fix the fruit and forget that it's the source that is lacking. If we're not connected to the source, the fruit's going to be bad. You're not going to be able to fix the fruit. You've got to go back to the source and reconnect to the vine. As a branch to the vine, he says, we are to be connected. Go back to the source. So that is, my, that is my, the story of my testimony coming to the church. And I want each of us to consider our own testimony today. As, and, if, and as I say, if you're, you're concerned about where you are, if you're concerned about your own testimony, just reconnect to Jesus. The nuts and bolts of Christianity are very simple. Very simple. We have, you have prayer. You can connect with God through prayer. You can connect with God through the Bible. And... In sharing your faith, God gives us um, more to share. So it's, it's kind of those three things. Praying, studying our Bible, and sharing our faith. That's how we grow as a Christian. So just reconnect to the source, and you'll find your Christian life revitalized. How many of you want to have a, a closer walk with Jesus today? Amen. I think that's all of us. So I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to be with us as we consider our own testimonies, as we consider where God has brought us, and as we consider the ways in which we want to continue to grow in Him. Let's pray. Kind Father in heaven, thank you so much for your goodness toward each one of us, that you're an individual God who has a relationship and a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives. And Lord, we just want to be in harmony with whatever that plan is. And Lord, as we consider our lives, if we find that we have deviated from your will, Lord, please just draw us back to yourself. Please, Lord, help us not to give in to the inclination to run like Adam and Eve did, but let us run to you rather than running away from you when we're in trouble. Please help us, Lord. Help us to be... Um, Lord, we just want to get to know you better as the friend that you desire to be, as the Lord of our lives. Help us to yield more fully on a day-to-day basis. Please guide us, keep us, continue to um, walk with us in this wonderful Sabbath day. And uh, Lord, we just pray that um, your will would be accomplished for our lives. We thank you and we ask everything in Jesus' name. Amen.